Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, we'll start now, gents, and thank you very much for, for, uh, for joining me, gents. Um, hurling uh, has probably never been spoken about as much as it has over, uh, over the last few weeks, and... Uh, I wanted to get uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on on the lay of the land and, and, and how you feel it is. Is it in a good place? Could it be in a better place? Um, we'll talk about cynicism, obviously, in a while and the motion that's coming up. But um, Eddie, we'll start with you. Your, your own thoughts? Um, yeah, I suppose there's obviously a huge factor at play that has influenced the hurling landscape for the last twelve months. And you know, I think that there there may be developments in the next couple of weeks, but. Um, it has definitely changed everything. It has probably forced us to think a little bit more about the game and, and, and these changes that, you know, people are talking about always of, you know, shorten the championship and condensed year, all those issues you're saying. Look, for me anyway, in my opinion, I think inter-county players are doing far too much training. So you're saying, look, this is the opportunity maybe to, to, to break up the calendar a little bit and, and, and go at that side of it. Um, I think the big talking point that came out of the championship last year, and we were all delighted to get some kind of a championship in fairness, um, and it was exciting, but I think what, what it presented us with is that there's no reason why a championship can't be played every fortnight. You know, we're not having these extended breaks, which is which is really a positive out of it. But uh, yeah, look, I think the issue of uh, players being dragged down has definitely come to the fore. It is now at a stage where I think it was simmering there for the last little while. And don't get me wrong, we all love a good physical combative type game where there's a good edge to it. But I think we're definitely seeing that element now where if there's a sniff of a goal chance and a team are coming down the straight, um, you know, you take even the end of the, the, the club football I learned last year, Cora Finn, yeah. you know, it resulted in, um, you know, the guys, uh, I can't think of their name from down, uh, getting the, the ball brought all the way down for a kick with 45 for a free that got moved up twice for, you know, what is nothing more than a rugby tackle. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Shane, your your own thoughts. I'll ask about structure in a while, but um, the, the game itself. Um, are you happy with where it is at the moment? I think, like like Eddie was saying there, I think the best thing to come out of COVID for the GA is definitely the split season. I think it's a no-brainer. Um, suits everybody. Like even if you take it now, like you know, I'd say the club lads, while you know they're personal for road. You still look out the window there and it's spilling rain and it's windy like some nights and you're like I'm glad I'm not training with the club tonight and you know whenever whenever you do get back trained in maybe it might be April or May for the club lads will be absolutely busting for road you'll have clubs won't have to rent out pitches with floodlights or won't have to rent out an astroturf so you know your clubs are saving money and the other thing is you're going to everybody will really want to play hurling or football or, or, or camogie at, at that stage so I think I think the, the, that that's a great thing, John. Anyway, is, is the split season. I think it has to just speed away. Like it probably did take a pandemic for for us to see that it, it can work. Like because it, yeah. it was it was horses for horses and it was forced on upon us. But look, I think that's brilliant. Uh, how do I think the game is? I think from a hurling point of view, I think 
everybody will always try and match whoever is the best at the time. So I suppose if you take it like, say, Eddie's team, everybody wanted to be like Kilkenny. But what, and, and the thing was just, you know, get, get the ball down there, and, you know, let, let, let people win their own ball, you know, don't maybe overcomplicate the thing, you know. But then people had to realise, right, Kilkenny or the great, or that team is the greatest running team ever. So that, that didn't work for everybody. So people had to adapt, and they did adapt. And, you know, people eventually started getting up to that level. So at the moment, John, that, that team at the moment for me is Limerick. So everybody yeah. will say, right, how are we going to beat Limerick? Right, how are we going to beat Limerick? Well, from looking from the outside view, I'd say the first thing is, which I think is kind of sad for players like maybe me, or I can only speak for myself, Eddie, Eddie was bigger than me, Harlan, but unless I'd say you can bench press 80, 90, 100 kgs now, I'd say forget about playing into County Hurling. And I think that's kind of one of the, one of the sad things because you look at the Limerick guys, if you put the Munster, uh, Munster rugby jersey or whatever rugby jersey on them, it wouldn't look out of place. Mm. And like these lads are top athletes. But I just think that if, if, if you get lost in the whole, right, let's all try and be as big as Limerick team. Like, are you going to get the best hurlers hurling? Yeah. You say, well, let's yeah. take, let's, uh, you know, let's take Tipperary there now at the moment. They brought back in a guy there, um, Alan Tynan. And he's from Ross Gray. And he would have went to school in Cistertians. He would have got an, uh, on the, a contract with Leinster Rugby on the academy there. So he, like, he, he's a guy I know, like, Tip are maybe looking to, like, you know, to maybe bring that physicality in. And I'm sure we might see other guys as well yeah, around the country. But um, what, I'm, what, what I'm trying to say, John, is, like, I, I hope everyone doesn't go down the route of we have to be super, super strong to be a really good hurling team. I and I think, a lot, I think a lot of teams will. The, the other thing for Limerick is, like, Kinork is, is, is serious in regards to that. You know, their, their style of play might change a small bit next year to try and get a, a, a leg up. They'll also probably bring in one or two guys into their starting 15. Yeah. Like, you take Barry Nash this year, establish himself, Seamus Flanagan. I, I go back to the lads as well, the team Eddie was on. There was always one or two guys who didn't make the starting 15. Mm-hmm. You know, you had your 10 or 11 guys who made it every year. But I think that's what Limerick do. Flanagan came on and established himself this year. I'm sure Pat Ryan is looking at himself going, hey, I, I, I don't want to be a sub anymore here. You know, he's on the yeah. panel now five, six, seven years. So... I suppose I uh, tried to answer your question. I think Hurling is a good place. I just hope teams yeah. don't go down the route of let's all be massive yeah. and let's and let's try and hurl in after it. So I, I just hope that uh, I, I hope that Hurling will, will come to the fore, John. I guess you, Shane. Uh, Eddie, are you worried about the, the lack of goals? I did a study there a couple of weeks ago uh, on the lack of goals. Now, obviously, it's not completely tied in with cynicism. But when the likes of yourselves and the likes of Shane's tip were winning all Ireland, there was an average, they were averaging two goals a game. Now we're seeing teams winning all Ireland, going back to Galway, obviously, back in 17, averaging less than a goal a game. Limerick obviously didn't need goals uh, last season. Is that something that concerns you from uh, hurling as, as an entertainment, as a spectacle? Yeah, I suppose primarily that's what we all want, um, whether it is uh, pundits, journalists, supporters, whatever it is, you want to go up and be entertained. And, and, and clearly on, on top of that, then you obviously want your own team to win. But I think um, what you're probably seeing is you're seeing a shift, possibly, you know, even you look at Limerick this year. And again, I'm, I'm a big fan. I, I admire what they've done and what they're doing. But there definitely is a distinct shift towards getting goals. And I think it's probably based on or getting points um, if the goal opportunities arise, that's no problem. They seem to have guys circling around that they, they seem to have their game is built on getting the shots off, getting quality shots off, and taking their points. If the goal opportunities come, it's a bonus, uh, and that's the way they seem to set up. If you look at even 
it's probably gear. It's probably based on how an opposition team is setting up. Because I thought in the the Leinster final there of geez, I think it was seventeen or a seventeen, when uh, Wexford had Sean Murphy sitting on the edge of the square. Galway just kind of almost made a triangle to yeah. the edge of the D and backwards, and they stayed out of that zone. They put the ball down high, and their bigger men, physically stronger, broke the ball and they took all their points. So it's probably more maybe there's a shift tactically from teams that they're they're saying look. We may not get through here. And then, look, obviously, we'll, we'll, we'll get to the cynical side of it whereby you're going to have lads saying, listen, just just whip them early, don't let the goal chances develop. But, yeah, there's, it's probably the way maybe Hurling is going because, you know, like Shane said there, teams will look at the top team and say, right, let's pick that a little bit. Let's see, can we counteract that? And I just felt even this year, you know, I think Galway were probably the closest um, from, from maybe taking Limerick that day. Um, but uh, yeah, look, it'd be it'd be a shame because uh, you love to see that happen. You love to see lads putting pressure high up the fields. Whereas um, you know, it's just maybe the game is evolving that way, and we have to embrace that somewhat. But I still think um, you know, an inside forward line. I think primarily you're, you're trying to feed them to get in and get goals, and 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 um, that'd be a shame if we lose that. I think early parts of the championship this year, we saw a nice few goals and yeah. then they seemed to dry up as the championship went along. Obviously, the, the cut and trust of it was thou shalt not pass, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Eddie, do you, you know, Shane referenced it there when everybody wanted to be like Kilkenny, like it was on the edge, but you were entertainers as well. Is there... Are people conflating things here at the moment? Like we're looking at the cynicism and how big Limerick are. Obviously, you know it, it's very easy and far too easy to to conflate the two uh, to, to the two points. Do you see a, a little bit of envy about Limerick? And do you think you know, obviously there was two incidents in the All Ireland final? One which obviously towards the end really didn't matter, but. It, would would you have a concern just like Kilkenny were seeing the you know and there was envy about Kilkenny in those times yeah. that there is a bit of envy about this Limerick team and maybe they're being painted as something that they're not. Yeah, no. Look, I think I think it's clear to point out here. Look, it's it's definitely not. Um, you know, sometimes we t- we tend to do that. Sometimes the more than when a team comes along and maybe dominate or they they, they really uh, power to a championship. Uh, there's obviously a level of admiration in that and, and as like I said I'm a huge admirer of what Limerick have done because they have come from 10 or 12 years of graft of putting a system together in the background that has ultimately got them here but it's, it happens in every sport the team that is up there are to be shot at and sometimes then you know the nature of us and, and, and Irish people yeah we love to see the underdog coming through then we suddenly love to take them down a notch and I think that would be very unfair in Limerick because I, I like the way they play um, no more than anyone else, then we have to look at individual incidents of cynicism on their merits on their own, regardless of who's wearing the jerseys. Uh, and we have to be bigger than that. But overall, look, I, I like the way they play. I think you're going to see teams trying to set up maybe like them. The big question is now, do you stick with, do, 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 you, do you mirror what they're doing and turn it into an arm wrestle? Like the, I, the example I use is the way Dublin approached them in the league final there last year. Yeah. You know, they went down to Nolan Park and they, they literally kind of mirrored Limerick and put a lot of bodies back and it turned it into a real, you know, I for one was kind of looking at that match day and I was losing my, pulling out my hair going, this is a terrible spectacle. Yeah. But it was a real arm wrestle and a grind and match opened up at the end. Um, so in terms of that, look, um, I, I think it will evolve a little bit. I don't think it's that, that we should be losing our life over. Yeah. I think, I think you know, to, to, to be... The physical athletes that Limerick are, I think there's a lot of teams not unlike them. There's a lot of teams maybe just a small bit behind, 
what they probably have is their movement and their ability to hurl as well. I, I think you can have you. You obviously need the physical component and, and the athleticism in your game now. As yeah. Shane said earlier on, quite rightly. But I think their skill level is absolutely top quality. Their ability to score points is is top quality. So in in, in relation to that, their hurling smarts and their hurling intelligence and their hurling technical ability is is top quality. And there's probably not as many teams. There's probably a lot of teams. I think maybe the likes of Tip are close to them in that regard in Galway. But yeah. I think that's probably the key to it is here. You can be as big as you want, but if you're not able to hurl and Limerick are able to hurl. So if we're going to take on just the Limerick as the All-Ireland champions right now, yeah. then yeah, you have to be able to do everything. Absolutely. And uh, as you said, Shane, Alan Tynan coming in there and, and, and obviously we have seen footballers going back to Stephen O'Brien coming into the into the tip group over the last while and maybe that was in their thinking and um, just the need for, for more physical players. But in terms of this cynical emotion chain, obviously it's been amended since this, what, last Friday in terms of uh, restricting it to the 20, inside the 20 metre and the semicircle. How do you feel about it? Because... It wasn't 12 months ago that uh, the black card was shot down big time at Congress. And now, 12 months later, you know, there seems to be a huge amount of support with the likes of Ned Quinn and John Koskin um, supporting this idea of, of bringing in a sin bin for her. Yeah, and I suppose it, it does kind of depend on what happened maybe the previous year or if there's four or five massive incidents of it. Um, there probably was a good few incidents, obviously, in, in the bigger games. John, this year, and I suppose the fact that there was nothing else going on in the world really, it probably was paid more attention to. It probably was more people watching games and, you know, it's bring, bringing these things up. And, you know, when they do start cropping up and when you do start seeing these things trending and stuff, there obviously is something happening in games. So, like, as much as we love hurling, there probably there is that cynicism. There's no, there's no point in saying anything else. Like, but, but just looking at the, the definition of it there, like, and it just said, uh, if a player is pulled down, tripped with the hand, arm, leg, foot, or hurley, or careless use in a hurley. Like I suppose one, one, the one that kind of sticks out for me, while it wasn't maybe in um, a semi-final or final, but with, with Danny Sutcliffe's one when he tripped up, um, I think it was one of the leash boys actually. Um, yeah. uh, in, you know, and I, when I was looking at that, I was like, you know, like should he get the sin bin for that? I, I would say yeah, he should. Um, you know, I think for fouls like that. Um, I suppose where where it, where it's going to meet barriers, and even Willie Barrett there was talking about during the week is, you know, how, how the refs are going to deal with it. And what I think could be difficult for them is, like, what competitive environment are they going to get to actually trial this? Like, let's say let's say the league doesn't go ahead because you don't have time. And, like, our team's going to be allowed to play inter-county challenge games um, yeah. with, 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 with movement. So, like, what are you going to do? Are you going to bring in an inter-county ref and maybe ref your, your internal game, your A versus B game, try and get used to it in that regard, for defenders especially, because... You know, if you foul someone inside the 21 or inside the D, I think it's going to be a penalty, John. And uh, so, and then you're going to get a sin bin. So, there, there, there's the, a lot going on. There's layer, a lot going on. Really. There's the layer on yeah, it as well, yeah. Shane. And just my understanding and my reading of it is, is that they're saying a clear, or is that clear and obvious goal scoring opportunity? Is that included in the proposal? Goal scoring opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, that, that's where I, I think that's adding a layer of interpretation and additional detail that you're looking for I think it has to be kind of clean like because you're saying well you know teams will will adjust to that quickly enough um you know I, I would say in 2010 I think Tip put a huge emphasis on protecting the D and that was as in getting bodies there and making sure lads didn't get through you know so so that type of quote you say grand but 
if you're turning around and saying that, you know, I, I think Pullen's just literally just grabbing someone. I think we saw an example with Shamie Callan this year against Galway um, in the All-Ireland final. You know, the, it, it doesn't necessarily... I, I think when you look at it from the point of view, if, 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 someone, if a forward breaks off the 45 heading for goal, well, is that... Is it fair to say that within two or three seconds they're on the 21 now heading in towards goal regardless to the bodies that are there, you know, to, to put in tackles and a kind of a circle, and an additional circle around the area? Yeah. I just think that now means that what, what does the cynicism do? It just moves outside the circle. You know, yeah. I think we're, we're either going to say we either want rid of cynical tackles and I'm talking about, you know, I'm not talking about an, an honest, you know, a mistimed tackle. I'm talking about somebody just jumping on someone's back and ripping them to the ground or wrestling someone to the ground saying, you're going no further and I'm happy to concede a point here. I think if it's inside the 45 or something like that, it's, it, you know, maybe it's a bit easier to define or to, 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 to referee, say, look, we give a yellow card. It's, if it's inside the 45, it's a penalty. And, and I said, I think with an action that you're trying to get rid of something in a game, you have to deter it. There's no point in putting in a Mickey Mouse measure that only means that we bend the rules. We're, we're Irish people at the end of the day. We love to find the grey of it and we'll, we'll adjust our coaching. I just think if you're going to bring in a rule that's going to deal with the cynical play, and again, it's not something that's, that's you know, it's an epidemic. It's just becoming a little bit more prevalent. And I think either you come in very firm to wipe it out and nail it, or you don't go near it at all. Because I think if you bring in a half measure, it just means we adjust and it then... Oh, after two years, we'll cut it. Yeah. But I, what, what I wouldn't mind seeing, maybe, going on what Eddie said there, if it's inside the 45, inside the 45 is danger now, with, just with, with everyone able to cover the ground. If it was inside the 45, maybe could we have a penalty against three players? And if it was inside the 21, have your 1v1 penalty? Or, you know, maybe, again, what happens there is, I don't know, you know. But the, the one thing for me is the careless use of the hurley thing. I just say you have a lad who's running back and you have a, Type of player who just who likes to bounce, do the bounce solo, and a lad comes just kind of flick it away. He misses it fractionally. Yeah. Is that a cynical foul? Does he get sinned for ten minutes? Is there a penalty for it when he was, you know, he was, you know, it's, th- it's different for a lad who's coming behind you and he, you know, he goes for the funny mm-hmm. bone or he's going for the elbow. That's yeah. he knows what he's doing there. Yeah. You no, know, yeah, no, I, I think Shane, I think you're right with that. I think it's it's to make it very clear. I think just go with a straight penalty. It just me, it just means that. Everyone is clear then. So a defender goes, well, I'm going to roll the dice here. They know the consequences. They know the yeah. outcome here. Or they know, say, and I think maybe a yellow card, I mean, that's there. It covers rough play. So maybe you're saying rather than, and again, I would have initially felt, I suppose that's the forward coming out. Me, so I'm going to be a little bit biased saying, oh God, no, sin been punished him hard for deliberate cynical play. We want to encourage good defending. And I think of, you remember Paddy's lockdown on one of the Coonies there in the Ireland semi-final in 2016. You know, whereas you say, if that's now, is he going to just dive in and wrestle him to the ground? Whereas he got a great hook. That's the type of defending that we want to see. You yeah. know, you think J.B. and Shamey a few years ago, yeah. you say, you want to see defenders being as honest as could be. And yeah. yeah, look, there's a rough and tumble, but it's 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 hard to strike a balance here with this. You know, yeah. it's a tricky one to, I think the more layers you put in, it's more hard for referees to interpret. I get you. Uh, Shane, Shane, like, and Eddie, obviously you would know, but uh, your, your experience with the minors, it, it's not coached, Shane. This is the thing that, you know, it's not that it's innate in the player, but, you know, it, it just, it, it's spontaneous almost at times. Ah, yeah. Like, it's, geez, there's there's no team 
giving away 15 or 20 minutes of their training session to right lads, this is how we're going to tackle, this is how you want to pull a lad down, you know what I mean? So there's no team doing that, but you, you can't, I mean, you have to let players play with freedom too. I mean, I can only speak from dealing with the minors there the last couple of years. I mean, when it came to match day, okay, they are younger and they, they, they did need a little more guidance, but if it comes to an inter-county senior guy, you really have to tell him everything to do on match day, well, then he probably shouldn't be playing in the first place. If, if you get them so far and then you let them go in and do the exam on their own, and you know, you, you, you get a chance to talk to them maybe at the water break or half time and stuff like that. But I mean, if you're instructing a guy or telling a guy before a game, or when he gets here, you have to pull him down. You know, it's it's not there. Like, I mean, you go back to the physicality lads have, like, I mean, lads are able to tackle now. Lads are able to tackle properly, their arms out strong, they're able to hold up a guy, you know, and if they turn him around, I mean, that's nearly a victory for a defender or, or whatever, to, to, to get a guy to turn around and go back toward his own goal. That's that, that's a small victory for them, like so. No, there, there absolutely isn't. Like, there's I don't think there's any any team anywhere is saying right. There's a there's a group of you going over there now, lads, for yeah. a mini game, and there's a group of you going to come over here and we're show you how it's technical foul. No, that's that, that's not going on, John. And if it is, I think it's ridiculous and it's a waste of time, like you know. Yeah, absolutely. Now, just a couple more subjects, lads, before we finish up. The um. The, the, the championship, like obviously the uh, were expected next year in 2022 to, you know, God willing to return to the round robin series in, in Munster and Leinster. Is that something that you would like to see or did you, were, were, was your uh, was your mind turned or was your head turned by what we saw at the end of last year? Start with Shane. Uh, I, I, I loved the round robin in, in um, definitely Munster hurling anyway. Um, I think in Leinster as well, to be fair, like, I mean, there, we had, you have some super, super games even two years ago there, you know, you had a few draws and everything. Uh, I remember I was down covering Limerick and Cork one night on a Saturday night below Cork. Um, I think they matched up a draw. They did end up a draw the same night. Yeah. It was just unbelievable, the atmosphere at the game, Saturday night hurling. Um, it was just brilliant. The lights start to come on at the end of the game. And I just thought that that that, that was brilliant. I, I, I'm a fan of the round robin. I think it, it, what it does is... Um, you know, the players are getting more games, so there's less training. And I think that's that, That's what players want now, less training, more games. And I think, please God, next year, John, when, when we can all go to the matches again, because, like, realistically, it probably won't happen this year that everyone can get to But please God, next year, that everyone can go. I, 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 I like the round robin. Uh, I think there's super excitement, even in Leinster, like, like the year before last, when you, you know, Kilkenny playing Wexford, down Wexford Park, and the ball hits the post, and... And um, while the same match is going on above in Parnell Park, I think with Dublin and Galway, yeah. I, I just think that was a super excitement. And uh, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of the round robin. I, I, I hope it does come back first thing anyway. Like Eddie, haven't been involved in it. Like we're seeing in Munster, we're not seeing a lot of Munster champions um, going on to win All Ireland titles. Obviously, it happened with Limerick last year, but prior to that, I, I think mm. they are the only team um, going back to to that that great Cork team you would have played um, in the mid two thousands. Is there too much emphasis being put on the provincial champions uh, championships at the moment? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like Shane said, there, I, I think the round robin system. Uh, works really, really well. I definitely think I would be a huge fan of, you know, I think players are, number one, they're physically conditioned nowadays to go weekend on weekend. And if there's little breaks built in there somewhere, that's ideal because it gives them a chance to freshen up. And, and I think any player will tell you there's a huge appeal in that system. It's possibly trying to, I think maybe the provincials could possibly be removed from, I, I don't know what way you, you build them into it because I think, 
you know, some some form of a, a round robin group stage um, where there's a lot of matches. I, I'm a big fan of. I'd love to see the Friday night matches coming in under lights. I think that's a huge thing. Uh, have a couple of matches spread out over a weekend, maybe two and three on a Saturday, two more on a Sunday, just something like that because there's a huge appeal. There's a lot of people want to see matches now. There's definitely an appetite for that. Mm. But I think it's possibly trying to join up um, the likes of the round robin with your knockout championship. I think the the, the provincial thing, yeah, the, definitely a monster that has hurt the, the, the teams that have gone on to win it. So I don't know what way uh, you work on that. But I think what you ultimately want to see is that everybody gets the same crack at it because we've seen in the past that sometimes playing week on week or every second week, it gets you, you, you really sharp for a match. And then if you have a four or five week break, it can often come back to, to bite you. So putting it maybe the same for everybody in that, look, the, they're all starting on the one, over the one weekend. We're going again in two weeks' time or we're going again in two weeks' time. And, and how that system, you know, how we find that, I, I'm not 100% sure because definitely the, 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 the provincial championships are kind of in the middle of that because we have a good round robin. I think that worked really well. And then it's trying to last year's championship, which was a knockout championship every second week, was brilliant as well. So mm-hmm. it's trying to join the two of them up and have it that maybe, and that probably leads into having a, a nice defined pre-season of maybe six, seven weeks. That's it. That's your lift into championship then. I get you. I get you. Um, a couple of other issues, obviously, gents. Uh, they're trying to get rid of the mayor Fornia again. Greg Kennedy has a lot to answer for. Um <laughs> Niall Corkin didn't seem to do um, much, uh, didn't seem to hurt anybody during his time with you, Eddie. And uh, obviously Shane was the mayor for you, I'm correct, right, right in saying that, Shane, with the, the yeah. minors as well. What are your thoughts on it, Jens? Like, obviously it has been abused, particularly in football, and maybe not so, aside from Greg's case, in, in hurling. But it looks like it is going to be disbanded now because it only missed out on a, by 1% last year. And, it, you know, they fully believe it's going to pass at uh, annual Congress next week. That there will be no more Mayor Fornia, they're going to nail it, is it? No more Mayor Fornia, no more running selector, no. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I don't know, I suppose there's pros and cons to it. Look, we we, we know some teams like to get an instruction in. Um, you know, I suppose then you look at that rugby where they don't go near the pitch at all. Like So um, it probably puts a huge emphasis on on how well your team is coached and, and, and how well you can get the messages into them because I think we've seen other teams use you know, part of the management and coaching team as a water boy, you know, I, I think you're, you're seeing teams being clever, but um, yeah, it, it's like that too. You need to get messages into players sometimes because you can't, you know, if, if, if a team or if a player is getting nailed or whatever way it is, like you, you do need to make changes. So I think finding some kind of a device that allows for that, but I do, I think what we're seeing is that, look, there's definitely a lot of teams and, and look, Greg has been pinged probably once or twice with it, but there's a lot more than him, to be fair to him, that are definitely taking advantage. And we've seen it there where, you know, they're filling space on, on the team and on the pitch and it's it's someone wearing a colour, you know, or whatever. So, look, these are all the, the, the tricks of the trade and, and ultimately you just want to see the players go out there and do it. And I suppose maybe that is the art of coaching is that we coach them in the training pitch and then let them off on the on, on the hurling pitch. But again, I'm I, I suppose I'm I'm torn because you do need to get messages out there every so often. Mm-hmm. But I do I, I I would say that my first year with Leash, I saw even the physio and the doctor that kind of being abused. Like for every time there was a lad down, there was lads flying in, they were trying to influence referees. And I just think some of that stuff it's unnecessary. Yeah, we have a duty of care to players when they get injured. Absolutely, that's their sole focus, and the referee should be the one to give the nod for someone to come on the pitch. But um, you know, we're at a stage where we're seeing all sorts of tactical things being used, and, and they're clever devices. Shane, you you didn't abuse it. It's certainly not from the the game. Yeah. 
How are you doing? I had a, I tell you, you know, you're, I'm trying to learn all the time at the moment in the coaching world, uh, to get away from being a player. But I had a few friendly words with a good few fourth officials now, um, in a few matches. But you know, there, there was a lot of things I learned. I suppose I felt a few times I was going in. Did I really need to be going in? I didn't. And I suppose I, I went in less and less and less as the time went on. But I'm I'm all for the mere foreigners as well because. Like I think no matter how well you are prepared, there, there is going to be a moment or there is going to be a player and he might be the best hurler in the world, but he just mightn't see something going on mm. that you can see like, because he's so caught up emotionally in the game or, 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 you know, in that moment. like, And you just have to say, look, we need you to just just sit there. Don't follow him. Or, you know, it's sharp fuck out. Just let him have the ball. You're going in all the time. And I think sometimes a message like that is does have to go in. I think, you know, if they... No more so maybe than the team is training that shouldn't be training, John. I think if they made a point of, you know, suspending someone, which seems to be one of the motions coming in, that if, if you interfere with the game play, like, you know, if they're poke out coming or a goalie can't hit yeah. that space because the mere four is there, yeah. and I think it's going to be that you get suspended for two matches. I think if you've seen a, a mere four, a well-known mere four, or maybe a lesser-known mere four from, you know, a, a big game, and you realise, okay, he went in, this, this is what he did, you're getting suspended for two games. You can't come onto the pitch to watch the match from the stand. So I think that's what, what that's going to do, John, is you're going to see that, look, player, people know you can't get away with it. And I think if, if, it's, if it's squashed if it's squashed like that and there's a big point made by maybe a big a big profile, Mayor Forna, I think yeah. a lot of this goes back to the football point a couple of years ago, Dublin and Kerry, John, if I'm mistaken, where the Mayor Fornas, I think, were counted coming in 63 yeah. times during the matches. So yeah. I think that's, you know... I mean, if you have to go in six three times, there's something seriously wrong. But yeah, yeah. I'm I'm off for the mayor foreigners. I think I think they do have an important job. But I think if it is abused, or you know, you see there's a bit of mouth going on between players and mayor foreigners. I think that's where you know you, you can't have that. Yeah, that's not on. And just make yeah. uh, make one big example, and you you could see it's a kind of a domino effect that maybe other mayor foreigners down the road can't do this as a management team. Yeah. Just and you know. Absolutely, and I think I think there's a recognition there as well, Shane, that you know. Tommy Dunn obviously had a run in with Saoirse Wolfen. I went out of running. They had a couple of rows on the sideline, if you remember, and then talking to the umpires during the semi-final there uh, two years ago. But, uh, you know, it's not, obviously, it, it is helping, uh, happening a lot in, in Hurling, but hopefully there is some, some middle ground on it. Shane, just a, a couple more questions. Can I just ask you about uh, the yellow slitter? Uh, it doesn't seem to have... Uh, upset the game in any shape or form. I know there was a lot of opposition to it. I think the players were more disappointed with how it was sprung on them, even though, you know, it was in the pipeline for a long time. And listen, it's the standard colour now. Um, we're going to have to not get used to it. It's, it's basically just going to be the Schlitter from now on. Um, were, were you, how did you feel it felt to work? And I know you're, both of you are talking about Friday night late, Friday night and Saturday night games. Certainly under, under lights, I would imagine the yellow Schlitter would be more beneficial going forward. Yeah, look, I... I don't know that it affect the game too much, really. Like, I mean, sure. I I actually found with a couple of the games, maybe maybe it was just me now that the yellow slitter was kind of getting lost, maybe in flight mm. a bit more. Maybe that's because we're so used to watching the white slitter, I suppose, for years and years. And I suppose, look, they changed it in tennis, and we don't know anything else, only the yellow tennis ball now. But so the reason they changed the tennis, like the speed that you'd, someone had served the ball could be 190 kilometers an hour, whereas I suppose like TJ was clocked taking a shot there in one match, and it, it was around the one thirty or one forty mark and one seventy. Like, was it one seventy? Like it didn't look yeah. like anyone could hit a ball faster than that. We we'd no bother seeing the white ball. Well, I don't know, had we? I think you got a goal over for that. Uh, like 
I don't think I think we'll just get used to it. I just think sometimes, John, the only things people like to see change is a child's nappy. So maybe we just don't like change. Like, and uh, I don't think it'll make much difference. Um, look, it's it's here now. They're going to go with it. I'd be interested to see how they're going to bring it into the clubs, John. That's what I'd be oh, interested yeah. to see. How that seems to be the plan, Shane. Yeah. yeah, that seems to be the plan. Yeah, no, I, I, on that as well, John, I, I, I concur. I think we we'll just, like anything you get on, I, I thought maybe for, for a complete definition of complete, I thought the orange colour. Now, I know we'll have a lot of traditions going on here, but it, it was, it, for me, it was because I find sometimes the yellow or the white just to get lost in the lights. I found in Torless once or twice, if it went up into the lights, you could lose it for a second. But I think it's something that we'll, we'll just bet down, we'll get on with it. But I think the point you're making is it, the manner in which it was brought in Probably mm. took a lot of us. Yeah, there was there was a lot of talk about it, and the no joke canning kind of voice is concerned to it, and maybe one or two others. And you just say, you know, every so often we see that we're told that these things have to go through Congress and there's a protocol in place, and then suddenly it's like the penalty a few years ago. Uh, Stephen O'Keefe made a beeline towards Anthony Nash, and they met around the edge of the fourteen, and a week later the penalty was changed. So look, I think it's it's probably the the manner in which it seemed to it seemed to just get parachuted in in the midst of COVID. But we move on. I think it's something that we want. Uh, I don't think I would be, I suppose, losing my marbles over either. I think the only issue is, I think there's talks of possibly this, this microchip in it yeah. at some stage or whatever. I think there's a, what you have to be very mindful of here is that one uh, maker doesn't get carte blanche on the entire market. I think there's a lot of people dependent on hurling balls and stuff like that and young lads it's a huge market there. There's a massive, massive market, a massive amount of hurling balls sold every year. So I think as, as long as it's, it's, it's available to everybody or whatever way they, they do that, but I think you have to be very conscious that they're suddenly not taking a lot of lads out of business. It might seem like a small point, but I think it's an no, important point. No, it's a very fair point. Absolutely, because um, a lot of people are trying to make uh, trying to make a few quid out of it. Absolutely. Uh, final question, gents. Like it always seems to me that the game of hurling, uh, you know, the rules are. And you mentioned the the Stephen O'Keefe, Anthony Nash, um, penalty or strike, um, Eddie. And that, you know, rules are trying to catch up to hurling all the time because it's evolving at such um, speed. If there is, or if there are, is one rule that you believe would improve the game of hurling, if, it, if there is a, one at all, what one would it be, Eddie? I'll ask you first. Oh, jeez. You have to catch me there, definitely, John. Um, I'm not so sure. I suppose the, the one that continues, uh, and I remember distinctly around 2008 that we got a, you know, usually the, I think the inter-county managers from what I gather get briefed with 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 something that the referees or the, the, the referees committee are looking at saying, look, be it the head tackle, be it. But around 2008, we got a, a specific instruction off Brian. I remember he telling us at the start of the year, guys, you're going to have to watch the hand pass um, because mm-hmm. the refs are being told to clamp down on this. And I think it's one that has continued. And yes, you touched on it there. It is very hard to please because such is the speed. And I know myself, I definitely had a few over the years and, and there might have been um, only a centimetre of, of a break from my hand when I let it off. Um but it is something that's that's probably got to come into epidemic proportions now. I think we're we're seeing a lot of people giving out about, it. but it's a very tricky one to interpret. I think uh, you know I know Don Logue called for it to be allowed, and I would be dead against that. I, I just I think he was saying the speed at which it's played and the speed at which we're looking at our players are we are we discouraging you know speed of hands and all that. But I definitely think that it's something that probably will have to be looked at a little bit 
but it's a tricky one. You know, it's very hard to to define it because, uh, like you said, they're the speed of the game. Overall, I don't think it's too bad. Uh, I'd have to say I think the state of hurling is not bad at the moment at all. I think you just don't want to see the likes of that cynical one that did come to the fore a little bit. You don't want to see that getting any worse than it is. But I, I wouldn't be changing a huge amount at the moment. I would like to see, um, I suppose, the refs getting a little bit more support. I do think that, that there's a scope there to help them a little bit more because, you know, the, the speed of the game, it's very hard to keep up with everything. Shane, yourself? Uh, geez, I don't know. I, I agree with Eddie. I don't think Hurland is, is in a fierce bad place. Like, I think Hurland's in a good place. I think the, like, uh, the speed at which the game has been played is a credit to the training that's going on. Um, like, does it, is it have anything to do with the Hurleys? It probably does. Like, you know, lads have put more time into their Hurleys now and there's a bigger boss than most Hurleys. So look, I think Hurland's in a good place. What oh, one thing would I like to see maybe brought in? It's kind of, you're either, it's like Marmite, you either, either like it or you hate it. I, I would like to see from outside the 45 line, if you score a sideline, that you get two points for it. And it's like, right? And everyone goes, bash your sidelines, you're not, you're no one against you and all this. Henning, Henning is the top of all time. He's in the 20s, he's 20 something scores. And in the next one was uh, a guy from Clare, his name escapes me, I think he was from the Clanlara Club, I think. Uh, he has, does he have maybe nine or ten? And then you're talking about like even, you know, even like some Mark Coleman, Noel McGrath, Austin Gleason, like these guys don't even have ten scores. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, 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 I even scored two, right? And I'm, I'm probably in the top twenty of all time because of scored two. What I'm saying is like because uh, I because it's not it doesn't happen every match. Canning's just unreal. He's the greatest of all time, right? At him. I, I, I think it would be exciting to see you've got a side on a side to 45 because not every team has a joke anyway. Point down, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, if you scored one outside the 45, be interested to see if there's a point in it, would you go for it? And I just think maybe maybe that might be something. Not a hope if you come in, but sure, anyway, here we are. I think just to come in, just the, the yeah. weight of the ball is probably something that a lot of people are talking about too, John. I think the ball yeah. is definitely traveling an almighty distance, and I know our players are are massively conditioned nowadays. But you'd say something like, I mean, realistically, um, we shouldn't have that. It's now a norm for a ball to be sailing over the bar from 90, 100 yards out. Like, I think it's it's something that, look, maybe it's not, look, we're splitting hairs, but it's just something that I do and a lot of people are talking about too. Absolutely. Well, gentlemen, thanks very much for your time. It's great. Um, the game of Hurling might be changed by, by Congress uh, Saturday week, but uh, at least let's hope that we have a game to look forward to soon. Um, things are moving in the right direction. And, Thank you very much for your time, Jess. All right, Jess. Sounds a pound. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 